Greetings and welcome to Astronomy 104 Attack. We spent the last three weeks and I've taken you through kind of a summary of stellar evolution, starting with the formation of the stars the first week. And the last two weeks we talked about what would happen during the life of a star like the Sun and then a much more massive star. And now I want to end up just talking a little bit about what the remnants are, what could be left over when those, when the stars are gone. And there are three different things that can be left over in these cases. They can be a white dwarf, a neutron star, or a black hole. Now a star like the Sun, which forms up through maybe carbon or some that are a little bigger will form into oxygen, will leave a white dwarf behind. A white dwarf is a very dense ball of material. In fact, in a white dwarf, all the atoms have been squished so close together that essentially the electrons are as close as they can possibly be. They're touching. And that's what keeps them, that's what keeps the star from collapsing any further. Remember we talked about during stellar evolution, we talked about how the life of a star is a fight between gravity and energy production. Gravity wants to pull the star down to a point, to as small as it can possibly be. And the energy being produced in the center balances that gravity. So at different times, that, gra that energy keeps the star from collapsing further. But gravity is patient. Gravity will, knows it will win in the end because it's never going to stop and the star will eventually run out of a source of energy. Now, so in a star like the, in a star like the, like a new white dwarf, what will happen is it gets as it gets so small that whole star, the, the mass of the sun gets compacted down to something the size of the Earth. So it's really squished together. It's so tight that everything is touching each other and it can't compact anymore. And that is now the force that is keeping it from collapsing. And it is now in a stable state. A white dwarf, once it forms, isn't going to go anyplace. It isn't going to, in most cases, blow up or form any other stars, it's just going to sit there. They start out incredibly hot, hundreds of thousands of degrees, and they'll quickly cool down to tens of thousands, and then slowly cool off over time, and slowly darken. So eventually it will become a black dwarf. Same as a white dwarf, nothing's changed except that it's gotten colder. Now the black dwarf, because of the small size of a white dwarf, it takes it an incredibly long time to cool off. So this is not something that will have, has happened yet in the age of the universe. So even the very first white dwarfs that could have formed 13 billion years ago, or you know, whenever the first white dwarf could have formed, I shouldn't say 13 billion years ago, because that's when the first stars would have formed. But the stars like the sun that would become white dwarfs would take a lot of that time to become a white dwarf. So they've only had several billion years to cool off. That's not very long for these types of stars. So there is no black dwarf yet in the universe. There they will be, you know, many billions and trillions of years from now, the universe will be filled with them. Now the other thing that can form is a neutron star. A neutron star is often the remnant of a supernova explosion, and the Crab Nebula is a very good example of that, in that the Crab Nebula is a supernova remnant located in the constellation of Taurus from a supernova that occurred nearly a thousand years ago as seen from Earth in the year 1054. And at the center is this very, very tiny star. Now we said that the white dwarf was tiny. It was the size of the Earth. Well, the neutron star is even tinier. 
in the neutron star what's happened is those electrons have now gotten squished even harder there was more mass there and they got smashed into the nucleus so those electrons combine with the protons to form something with no charge called a neutron and atoms are made up of protons neutrons and electrons but essentially this is just a gigantic ball of neutrons and the neutrons are about as dense as the atomic nucleus so essentially this ball is one gigantic atomic nucleus and it has squished down from again the size of the earth from the size of the sun to the size of the earth to the something about the size of a city on the earth so the entire mass of the sun compacted into a city-sized ball incredibly dense incredibly dense I mean you could never go to visit just because the gravity if you were to try to walk on the surface it would crush you it would pull you down to the surface ignore the temperatures or anything else even if there was a solid surface there you couldn't walk on it just because the density is so high and the gravity is so high that it would literally crush you now how do we detect neutron stars if they're so small and so hard to see from that kind of distance I mean, how would we see something that small that far away? It would not be a very easy thing to do. But what we can do is they have a, these also have a very, very strong magnetic field. So when they have a very strong magnetic field and they spin incredibly fast, many times a second. So they spin very quickly and they have a very strong magnetic field. If that magnetic field happens to pulse through the, by the Earth, if that field points at the Earth at some point during its rotation, we will see a burst of particles. So the first ones were actually, the first neutron stars were actually detected as pulsars, what we call pulsars, because we're receiving pulses of radio radiation. We're being observed from these stars incredibly quickly. In fact, so quickly that the first ones may have been considered to be actually a source of extraterrestrial intelligence. Because they were moving so fast, and at such a regular, a regular rate, it was not thought that it would be possible for anything but an intelligent civilization to be creating that. We didn't think there was anything that small that would be able to pulse that quickly. But it was later determined that it was actually neutron stars, very condensed, very, very tiny objects spinning incredibly rapidly. Again, many times a second, several times a second, 10, 20 times a second. And in fact, there are some that have actually been sped up by material and have actually been connected, have actually been spinning, spin, can spin hundreds of times a second. They're called the millisecond pulsars. So they're incredibly fast spinning. And they are, again, the remnants that will occur if after a supernova explosion. That's what would be left over then. Now, if they're a little bit more mass than that, for example, then we can have something that was called a black hole. Now, a black hole is the other of the three options that we have, a star has, at the end of its life. Okay, it really doesn't get a choice, but those are the three things that it could possibly turn into. And what they are... What a black hole is, is a neutron star that's just a little bit too massive, more than about three times the mass, three to five times the mass of the sun, and there's just too much matter there. And the neutrons get crushed in upon themselves, and eventually it just crushes to a point. Now how come, well we can't really see it when this happens, 
because when you crush something small enough, the escape velocity from to get away from its surface will eventually get larger and larger. For something to escape from the Earth's surface, it has to travel at a certain speed. If it's traveling at that speed, it can get away from the Earth's surface and into orbit or into outer space. If it travels less fast than that, then it's going to come right back to the Earth. Now, if we have the other, as we have, but we, so when we have a black hole, that surface, that escape velocity gets the, it's denser and denser as the escape velocity is getting higher and higher. Eventually, that escape velocity exceeds the speed of light, meaning that a light beam shining up would be turned around and pulled back down by gravity so that even light could not escape. And once we reach this point, it's called the level is called the event horizon, and that means that inside that level, we cannot know any events that occur. We have no clue what is going on inside that black hole. Our physics doesn't apply. We don't understand it scientifically, and we have no way to go in there and observe it. We can observe what happens outside the black hole, but once you get inside that event horizon, there's no way anything can escape. So we have no way of knowing anything about the material that is deep inside that black hole. Black holes, again, are a very interesting topic. And what we're going to plan for next week is a little bit of a talk about specifically and go into a little bit more detail and trying to give you a little bit of understanding specifically of just black holes. So this has concluded our four-part section on stellar evolution. We've talked about the evolution of the stars from their formation through their death and the remnants that they can leave behind. Next time we're going to go into a little bit more detail and talk about black holes in, in a lot more detail than I did today. I gave you a brief overview. So until then, until next time, I will see you in class.